0: Hey, how's it going? It's Steve Durr. Excited to be able to hang out with you here today. We're going to look at Genesis chapter 18, verses 16 through 33. And just to remind us what's going on here, Abraham and Sarah have welcomed three visitors, three guests, have shown them great hospitality. And the scripture seems to say that one of these guests is God, is the Lord, and the other two appear to be angels. And so they're coming to meet with him uh, and Sarah, They're telling them, hey, listen, you're going to have a child within the year, and so they're ready for that. It's a new beginning, but there's also going to be an ending. They begin to tell Abraham about a judgment that's coming. And so let's get into this story together. Genesis 18, starting in verse 16. Then the men got up from their meal and looked out towards Sodom. As they left, Abraham went with them to send them on their way. Should I hide my plan from Abraham, the Lord asked. For Abraham will certainly become a great and mighty nation, and all the nations of the earth will be blessed through him. I have singled him out, so that he will direct his sons and their families to keep the way of the Lord by doing what is right and just. Then I will do for Abraham all that I have promised. So the Lord told Abraham, I have heard a great outcry from Sodom and Gomorrah, because their sin is so flagrant. I'm going down to see if their actions are as wicked as I have heard. If not, I want to know. The other men turned and headed toward Sodom. But the Lord remained with Abraham. Abraham approached him and said, Will you sweep away both the righteous and the wicked? Suppose you find 50 righteous people living there in the city. Will you still sweep it away and not spare it for their sakes? Surely you wouldn't do such a thing, destroying the righteous along with the wicked? Why, you would be treating the righteous and the wicked exactly the same. Surely, you wouldn't do that. Surely, should not the judge of all the earth do what is right? And the Lord replied, If I find fifty righteous people in Sodom, I will spare the entire city for their sake. Then Abraham spoke again, Since I have begun, let me speak further to my Lord, even though I am but dust and ashes." Suppose there are only 45 righteous people rather than 50. Will you destroy the whole city for the lack of 5? And the Lord said, I will not destroy it if I find 45 righteous people there. Then Abraham pressed his request further. Suppose there are only 40. And the Lord replied, I will not destroy it for the sake of the 40. Please don't be angry, my Lord, Abraham pleaded. Let me speak. Suppose only 30 righteous people are found. And the Lord replied, I will not destroy it if I find 30. Then Abraham said, Since I have dared to speak to the Lord, let me continue. Suppose there are only 20. And the Lord replied, Then I will not destroy it for the sake of the 20. Finally, Abraham said, Lord, please don't be angry with me if I speak one more time. Suppose only 10 are found there. And the Lord replied, then I will not destroy it for the sake of the ten. And when the Lord had finished his conversation with Abraham, he went on his way, and Abraham returned to his tent. What an encounter. I mean, he would be much better at buying a used car than me. (laughs) I'm the kind of guy who goes into a situation I try to Try to kind of negotiate, and I end up paying more than the sticker price, just because I don't want to hurt the guy's feelings. you know But here's Abraham boldly asking and humbly, asking God, pressing God for more and more grace and mercy for Sodom and Gomorrah. What's interesting is back in Genesis 14, Abraham had rescued his nephew Lot and the people of Sodom and Gomorrah from foreign invaders. But now there's been an outcry against the cities, and they're filled with evil. And God reveals to Abraham that he's about to bring judgment on them. Abraham's nephew Lot has moved into the city with his family, and so this makes it a little concerning. And God himself, uh, as a good judge, seeks to see the evidence demonstrated and experienced firsthand. Which is interesting, that God is saying, I've heard of the outcry of people. And surely God knows all things, so wouldn't he just know? But he, he's going there himself to take a look around, to experience it, and make sure that what is being said is true. But he's God, right? It's so interesting that God is wanting to have this experiential knowledge of this. So um, he's come to witness what's taking place in the city. What's fascinating is that in this story we get a glimpse into the thinking and reasoning of God, who is kind of thinking out loud and considering whether or not to tell Abraham his plan of destroying and bringing judgment to Sodom and Gomorrah. God explains that he's having, you know, that uh, he's having this conversation with Abraham because he and his family are his chosen people. So he's like, "Well, maybe I should tell him because Abraham and his family are are going to be my chosen people." They're going to follow my way. They're to to follow after my way of living in this world, and they're to be a blessing to the world. I I should entrust this knowledge to them. I should bring him in on this plan. And Abraham and his family, um, we know, are going to be a channel of God's grace to the world, which will one day lead to Jesus and salvation and restoration of all things broken. So one way they will be a blessing, Abraham and his family, is by being a righteous minority in a wicked world. And they are to bring blessing and point to God as his representatives. The other thing is, Abraham seems to be concerned here that the righteous would be swept up in the results of the wicked, of all the rest, you know. And that just didn't seem fair that good, honest, uh, God fearing people would be swept up because of the actions of others. So Abraham begins to negotiate, like I said, and he's much more successful than me. He begins to converse with God. He gets, he, he, it's like a reverse auction, you know, uh, going lower and lower in number. He asks, you know, if there's 50 righteous, would you, you, know, would you spare the city? And God says, sure. Abraham says, what about 45? What about, what about 40? Can I get 40 here? Oh, what about 30? 30, 30. Going once, going, okay, what about 20? What about 20? And he goes lower and lower and lower. What about 10. Could you you just spare this whole city in the midst of all the wickedness? Would you just spare and offer mercy if you could just find 10, 10 righteous people, 10 people with a heart for God, 10 people that might be able to somehow bring change in time to that city? Could the righteous in that city help bring about change in time? A question for Abraham may be in the midst of this. Maybe he sees himself in this story, I don't know. Will his family be able to truly be a blessing and reveal God and bring change to the surrounding world that's lost and going their own way? Will his little family, <laughs> will his little family be able to make a dent? How is he going to bless the entire world? Surely, how could someone so small, a family so small be used by God to influence not only a city, but a nation and a world. And so God departs. I'm drawn to Abraham's hope. I'm drawn to Abraham's desire for mercy and God's corresponding heart to hold back judgment and give time if even 10 righteous can be found. So many times it can be easy to look at the world around us, to look at a particular group, to look at a particular tribe, and want them to get theirs, right? They infuriate us. They disgust us. And we want justice. And God is a judge who brings justice. But I wonder sometimes if it's easier to stand at a distance and shout condemnation and cheer for the destruction of people rather than being a light in the darkness and praying for their rescue and salvation. I wonder if sometimes we get a little giddy when we see people get theirs. I know I do. Serves them right. They're getting theirs. And so often... I lose sight of my own deep need for God. And this brings up the question of, will God use people seeking to faithfully follow him to make a difference and bring change in the world? In Matthew chapter 5, 13-16, Jesus tells his followers, he says, listen, you are the salt of the earth. But what good is the salt if it's lost its flavor? Can you make it salty again? It'll be thrown out and trampled underfoot as worthless You are the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. God is the judge in his time and in his way. And the call of Jesus to his followers is to be salt to bring out the God flavors of the world and to be light, to reveal God in and through our lives. May we live with a humble heart that recognizes that any right relationship we have with God, that we enjoy with God, is not because of anything that is um, because of our actions or who we are, but it's because of Jesus and not ourselves. May we, like Abraham, Seek with a graceful and compassionate attitude to see people experience new life with God and step out of darkness into God's light. And so today, how's God getting your attention? What is your Father God saying to you? What is your King asking you to do in response? Let's pray. God, I thank you today for your love that's demonstrated For us, in that while we were still sinners, you died for us. You welcomed us into your family. You adopted us into your family. It's what you wanted to do. And so, God, from that place of love, from that place of grace, would you expand our hearts with compassion and mercy and grace for those around us? We do pray for justice. We do pray that you would set this world right. And we do pray uh, along with your heart that doesn't wish that any perish but all come to the knowledge of the truth. God, would you reach people around us in our lives that we even think may just be out of reach? This is our heart. This is our desire. And if not, would you give us that? And so we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, have a great day.